0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million,
1: And this is a podcast where we discuss feminist issues in music and pop culture, all while empowering fangirls.
0: Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did.
1: This week, we want to welcome Mira to our Patreon. Thank you so much for your support and joining we have lots of fun episodes over there, including our live reaction to Saltburn, 2024 predictions, as well as a whole back catalog of episodes that you can get access to if you pay anything from one to $10 per month. That's over at patreon.com slash name through songs. And today we have a big mini episode. We have like a bit of a deep dive into everything that's happening with Beyonce, announcing that she is releasing a country album.
0: Uh, The world seems to be a little bit at odds about it. I feel like a lot of people are excited, but I also feel like the country music world is kind of not as prepared as they've wanted to be for this kind of shakeup, to the point where they're like, we just like literally had no idea Beyonce was making country music. So like, why would we play it on our radio stations? And if you've paid attention to our past episode where we did do a deep dive about country music and its racist behavior with Madeline Molly, you know that they are not really big on playing women or women of color or just people of color in general, on country radio, and that country radio is are the gatekeepers of country music. So if country radio is not interested in you, then country music is not paying attention to you, and therefore you have no clout in country. So yep. we have lots to go over today in regards to that. We
1: will be putting timestamps for everything on our Instagram stories. And now it's our favorite time of the week. Let's get into our fangirl nonsense.
0: Harry's hair is back. Harry's <laughs> hair is back. On Sunday, when I signed on for work and I got to do my little, like, guys, look what's happening with celebrities today and, like, pitch out photos. I was met with the nicest gift, which is Harry Styles not wearing a hat at a football match with his hair. He's hair back. Unfortunately, my hypothesis that he was getting a hair transplant was wrong. The widow's (laughs) peak is peaking. (laughs) It was peaking. I'm just like he looks so fucking cute though (laughs) like i just like it's so bad like i see that man existing and like oh there was like this tweet it was like this is what girlies are talking about when they say in fanfics about harry that he smirked and it was like this gif of like him smirking at this football match every time i see him i giggle and kick my feet like i can't even help myself i'll be like walking and i like have to stop because my feet are kicking (laughs) like what are you guys doing it's uncontrollable i can't i have no power over myself it is really cute however the
1: hair personally is giving me an ick so i don't know if it's just for i don't know if this content's for me
0: i mean the hair is like still bad but like it's the same thing that i said when like the bald photo like fucked me up so bad because he looks so upset about being bald and like <laughs> hit, like the hair is like I'm just excited because I know it's gonna get back to what I want it to be yeah but there's like seeing him out and like having videos of him like being hairy I was like oh my god he is cute it's fine like it's good it's all right like when he's like he's <laughs> just like him being himself instead of like that really sad photo <laughs> like I just felt a lot better
1: yeah I feel like a little bit of a hater, so I feel like I don't want to say anything. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, lo- I love Harry Styles till I die. No, that's... No, we all love Harry. I just... I'm not... This haircut... So he needs, he I don't want to look at it. Ha- I don't want to look hair, at it.
0: The haircut is giving businessman, but I am happy that it's, it's coming, that he's growing
1: back. British businessman who watches a lot of football is what it's giving Like
0: me. I, I, I saw it, and I was like, oh, he looks like Jude Law. Negative. Yeah. Like he's just like. I don't like like, the spike. The spike. is. It's weird. But I feel like that's like when a girl's growing out like a bob. I feel like that's what. I feel like that's the boy version.
1: Yeah. Like
0: (laughs) that's what it is. It has to be
1: done. There's not a
0: lot you can do with that length. Well,
1: okay. He'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, if your widow's peak is peaking that bad, why would you shave your head while you still have hair?
0: True. (laughs) yeah i don't Anyways. know i don't know what i'm like <laughs> i'm like he better have had like more than like a 10 second cameo and something for that haircut oh my god know? yeah in better news <laughs> we did have io debris being quintessential irish queen by making the most disgusting face ever at prince william which like you <laughs> can't get more irish than that
1: <laughs> i just like what was the context what was being said like we oh, need just, information
0: yeah i mean like they were at the baftas yeah so it's a uh, british film and Television Awards. I don't know what the other A stands for, but Acting? It's, th- it, it's there. British Academy film and television awards. Sure. And so, like, usually Prince William and Kate Middleton will be there. But Kate Middleton, I think, also had gallbladder surgery because she had oh my God. some sur- sort of surgery for her abdomen and cannot do anything in public for like three months. And I'm like, I can relate deeply to that. Yeah. It's so just he funny because, like, himself. yeah, he's like
1: trying to tell a joke or something and none of the women in this photo look pleased. <laughs> and it's so funny.
0: Okay. So there was a daily mail article. That's an awkward guffaw for Prince William. As he tells actress who won BAFTA for harrowing coming of age film, how to have sex, which ends with her being raped that making the movie quote, looked like a lot of fun, but admits oh. he hadn't seen it yet. <laughs> and, and so... <laughs> is, that the, is that the context for the photo? I don't know, but like that's the photo they used. <laughs> like, oh my god! So I just feel like he probably said something like really, really dumb. Yeah,
1: probably. We love that Io has no poker face.
0: I know. If she's anything, like an she's choosing comedic
1: relief for all of us.
0: Oh, I just feel like everything she does is a piece of performance art, including yeah. meeting Prince William, where I it's agree. like it, she had a plot in her head of like what was gonna happen, and she's like, "I'm going, <laughs> I'm going with it." <laughs> like that's think just how she i imagine she functions
1: <laughs> yeah th- i think she's also just like one of the like i was talking about this earlier with like boy genius on the at the grammys being like they're not yeah. like they're their fa- they're famous they're like famous ish but like not assimilated into celebrity yeah, culture yeah, yeah. and that's how i feel about like IOs. she's like never gonna
0: do that she's like they, they fucking love me anyway like why should i yeah exactly and, like, that's how i snaps feel to that that's like, what i, I think she that. thinks about all of this as she should she's the people's princess
1: Surely. <laughs> Another people's princess, Dua Lipa, <laughs> who can do no wrong, <laughs> continues to give us the same song over and over and over. <laughs> Training season is out now. I think a lot of us did a double takes of was this not just Houdini? We, of course, love the song. Like I said, she can do no wrong. I just think it's funny that she was like, for this new era, I was really inspired by 70's Psychedelia. And I'm like, then why Where? is this like the same album that you just
0: made? Like... I mean, everything Dua Lipa puts out is going to be perfect, amazing. I will watch the music video three hundred times for no reason other than support. Um, exactly, <laughs> we love her. Like, we love <laughs> if her. She told, if she told me we were going to war, I'd be like, "What? What weapons do I bring?" Like, I, would I be will there. say,
1: her performance at the Grammys was really great, and her dancing, yes. I give an A plus because I said that I said this like kind of a hot take before, but like the music video for houdini i was like Mm -hmm. it feels like she was trying really hard to dance but her performance at the grammys felt like she was a lot more comfortable in it so
0: yeah i mean i feel like people have been so mean about her dancing throughout her whole career that she must have like so much anxiety i'm sure like i can and i feel like when you do a live performance there's like that part of you that's like this can this is only happening once like whatever happens happens like you just like get to that point whereas like I feel like recording a music video you have so many options to redo it that I feel like she's probably so up her own ass about it yeah and that's and I feel like it definitely translates because like some videos it's not as bad but like most of the time comparatively speaking like between her live performances and videos like the videos always feel like she like Was really being mean to herself about how perfect it had to be, and then it's like not. But I do think it's funny because like my whole entire TikTok for you page is just people being like, "What spell did Doalipa put on us?" Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) She also she has not she has not ever gotten a number one song on the Billboard charts, which is kind of shocking to me. She's had five top ten hits. And a total of 21 songs on the charts. But it's just crazy because, like, I did also saw a TikTok talking about this, and someone was like, she's kind of like a sleeper hit where, like, the song will be popular like a while after it's already come out. Um, and it's just like, I just feel like it's just enjoyable pop music. It's not like doing anything revolutionary, but it's also not yeah. bad. Like, and I feel like for that reason, like she's kind of in this like safe zone of like not pushing the boxes or not pushing the boundaries. Yeah. And I think because of that, she's just like a,
0: she just makes pop music and we like it. Like, you know, it's not that deep. Yeah, it's just like Dua Lipa will always be famous. But also like the thing that I do find really interesting about her is like, she is like on the cusp of an A-list. Like she's born, she's basically is an A-list celebrity, but like we don't really know that much about her. But also at the same time, it's like, She's like one of the more politically active, yeah, she celebrities. Is. But like, I feel like it's all so under the radar yeah, how yeah. much she does and yeah. like cares about. And I'm like, this is. Both impressive and terrifying because well, like also, like she has her room service podcast which like has over a yeah.
1: hundred episodes like this I think she announced she like hit a hundred episodes or something I was like what do you mean I was like who listens to this who knows about this I I, I like the other day I, what is she not, inviting us on not the other <laughs> like, day but like a month ago I saw that she had Jenny from Blackpink on and I was like yeah
0: I, I was like wait what I, I this? and I went
1: I looked up her podcast and I was like what the fuck I was like she actually I think, like I yes. knew she wouldn't now I knew she announced it like years ago but like. I had no information about it in like the two-year time period from when she announced it to when I saw Jenny from Blackpink was on it, like none. Yeah, and then the she's only like, other like headline I saw about it was when she interviewed what Tim Cook and asked him about exploiting children. Oh yeah, yeah. For yeah. like mining whatever is in the iPhone. Yeah,
0: she was girl. She's bossing. wild. She's wild. I'm obsessed with her. Like everything she does is star-stopping, amazing. Give her a Nobel Peace Prize, like. <laughs>
1: But it's just it's just so funny because I'm like, she seems so I think no, nobody really like knows about that. Everyone's just like, it's like Dula
0: Peep in her vacations. And I'm like, you mean Dua Lipa, the political activist? Yeah. yeah yeah There's <laughs> two, two versions of her, you know, depending on
1: how much you know about her.
0: But in, in more serious fangirl nonsense, we do have, once again, red carpet reporters just, like, being fucking bad at their jobs and leaning too far into, like, oh, we're going to fangirl with the celebrities on the red carpet when, like, that's not their fucking job or their business to be doing. As I said the last time we discussed this, there is a time and place for, like, buzzfeed interviews And that is when the celebrity is brief that they are going to be answering those types of questions and doing those types of things and like have time to prepare. I am possibly the world's worst journalist because I have never in my life wanted to catch a celebrity out by making them uncomfortable and like forcing them or trying to get them to answer something I know that they are not going to want to talk about. But I just feel like there is a time and a place for weird questions and the red carpet is not the time or place for that because you get such limited time with these celebrities and i know people want like bitey pieces to like go viral on the internet but it's so easy to ask like a thoughtful question that will get a good answer than to ask like a fucked up question that'll get an answer or a question that you know is going to like make somebody a little uncomfortable or whatever and so like uh, the smaller of these two grievances that have happened recently was on the dune 2 red carpet some podcast or like platform called brute america had a spot on the dune two like red carpet and we asked timmy like was it strange for him to kiss zendaya because they've been friends for so long and he is like well we've been friends for so long and we know that it's acting so what's the big deal and like you could tell he was kind of like why are you wasting my time with this question and i just feel like that's such a weird thing because obviously they're trying to be like stir up drama like whatever you know what i mean like that's that's such like a baity question where it's like only answer to it is to be like it's my job. It's my job. Like I'm a professional. Like yeah but like clearly they're trying to see if like oh like is he gonna like stutter or like act weird or whatever so that way you know like fan the flames of like whatever Timmy Zendaya shippers there are or whatever is going on with that. I felt like his answer was like very professional and like well thought out but he also like you can tell in the video and like we'll share it with you guys but like His body language is just like, why are you wasting my time? And it's just like so frustrating to watch. Yeah. And so like that was like one example. But like the more prime example follows with like the conversations we had after the Golden Globes where I was like, it's really unprofessional and disgusting that these red carpet reporters were asking like Margot Robbie, like, oh, what does this candle smell like? And she's like, oh, it's beautiful. And they're like, oh, it's Jacob Lordy Bathwater. And I'm like, you're making Margot Robbie smell a candle that's supposed to smell like Jacob already sweat and come. Like, what are you talking about? Like, disgusting. Andrew Scott was stopped on the red carpet, and he is at the, he's attending the BAFTAs because the film All of Us Strangers that he was in was nominated for best British film, and his co-star in the movie Paul Mescal was nominated for best supporting actor. And so he is part of a nominated movie, and his co-star that he's acting directly across is nominated for best supporting actor, and the BBC of all places stops Andrew Scott and is like oh you're you're Irish what did you think of fellow Irish actor Barry Keoghan and his new dancing scene at the end of Saltburn and then like there's like two presenters there both like adult men like one of them like looks very old and they're like oh but like no spoilers whatever and Andrew's like clearly very uncomfortable and he's like i mean Barry's like a great actor like whatever he like looks like confused And then the older presenter is like, and there's been, like, talks about prosthetics. Like, you know Barry quite well. And Andrew's like, are you fucking joking? Like, he doesn't, like, curse this man out, which I think he should have, but he, like, literally just looks so baffled, so frustrated, is like, why are you asking me this? Like, what is happening here? And he just, like, walks away. It's like a 25-second clip. And it's just, like, so unhinged watching this and so uncomfortable because it's, like, you have... A man who was in like a heartbreakingly beautiful film in front of you that's nominated you could ask him anything literally you could have asked him like oh what was it like having intimate scenes with paul Mescal?" which is just as like you know weighted of a question yeah but like fucking relevant to why he's there yeah like- And like when he initially is asked, like, oh, you know, Barry well, like at the beginning, like Andrew's like so excited about it. And like the change of mood the second that this guy is like, oh, well, that scene is jarring. Like he was not expecting this at all. And it's just like I just feel so bad for him because also to me, I'm like, you're asking a gay actor to respond to you about a fellow actors, whether or not he believes that his dick is real in the movie. Like be fucking for real. Like it feels homophobic. It feels disgusting. Like everything feels bad. Yeah, I, I he looked
1: so uncomfortable. I mean, he basically was just kind of like sh- like laughing, but shaking his head and like trying to move away from him. And at the end, he finally did just kind of walk away. But was, like, in the end, I don't think the interviewer got the hint that he was being so fucking rude. I don't know what it is. Like, it feels like the clickbaitification of all of our brains collectively. Like, I don't know that I have anything new to add other than it's just, like, putting celebrities in a place and on a level that they're not supposed to be at. And, like, also... At a time and place when they're not supposed to be there, like yeah, at an award show, accepting an award for their career for the work that they've done, and it's being reduced to this, is just like like the fact that this keeps happening, it's not just been an isolated incident, like people in literal different countries, different interviews in different countries are all doing this is kind of fucked yeah. up. Yeah,
0: yeah. And especially like seeing bigger legacy publications like more well-respected publications like these people who have been doing these jobs for literal decades probably like reducing themselves to asking these questions it's like number one think higher of like consumers but number two like you've been doing you've been in this field long enough to have like the critical thinking skills and journalistic integrity to like not ask fucked up questions all of it's gone out the window yeah and it's like put yourself in their shoes for a second, like you're standing there asking them to like sexualize' like their coworkers. them to their face, yeah, you're acting as if they're not people, yeah, and it's just like it's so disheartening and frustrating, especially like when there are so many people who could do a- such a better job like out there and available, and yet they're like putting people on these carpets and like allowing them to ask these questions, and like some of these people are just like, well, I've been around for so long, like I can just get away with this basically is what it feels like and it's just like it's so icky and horrible and like so many celebrities already don't like doing press enough and so this is just going to like bring us into this world I feel like where more and more people are just saying no to doing press yeah and like that's not a world we want to live in the media is already hurting yeah exactly and also on top of that it's like we already live in a world where like certain celebrities control their narrative so strongly and it's like so boring and so to see situations where like celebrities are actively being made to like hate the media more we're never going to know anything about anybody ever again and also like jenna said like journalism is already something that feels like it's being slowly chipped away at and so when shit like this happens it's like what's the future of media going to look like when people still think that this is acceptable.
1: So in getting into the bigger discussion of today, we've been thinking a lot about Beyonce announcing her country album. As you guys know, last week we did like our fangirl nonsense reactions, but I felt like there was going to be a lot of think pieces and op-eds coming out this week about Beyonce's album, which is true, our episode, The Fight for Intersectional Feminism and Country Music with special guest Madeline Molly really dives into a lot of the history of country music. And we're going to kind of like recap some of that. But if you want like a bigger dive, definitely go listen to that episode. Because essentially, as we all know, country music is super, 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 super white and mostly male. So when you have Beyonce, who is arguably the biggest artist on the planet, who is black and a woman, Going into make country music, obviously there's going to be a lot of backlash, discussion and just like general conversation happening around this. And so we want to kind of dig into kind of do a little bit of our kind of old format episodes, digging into some of what's been going on, some of the history and like why this all makes sense for Beyonce, especially because she is from Texas. And I think it's one of those things where it's like she's been doing pop and R&B commercially so long, but it's like she's always had her Texas roots, And I think I feel like there are going to be some people in the country music community basically doing to her what they did to the chicks, which was shut up and sing.
0: I mean, it definitely is like a big move for Beyonce to be doing this. I think it's really powerful. I think like again, so basically like my personal opinion on things, it's like my thought process based off of like what we know about Beyonce, what we know about country music, because like just to paint a little bit of a picture, we do have some tweets from Dr. Jada E. Watson on Twitter Like from this one's from 2021, where she said that songs by BIPOC women received just 0.06% of airplay in the last two decades in regards to country music stations, which is like a crazy low amount. And in 2018, Dr. Jada E. Watson also shared that female artists entered the new millennium with 50 songs, so 33.3% on the year end country airplay reports and declined to just 17 songs, 11.3% in 2018. Over a period of 19 years, there is a 66% decline in the number of songs by female artists on country radio. The trend shows significant decline for women, strongly pointing to the self-fulfilling nature of gender-based programming. 19.6% of the songs on the weekly reports between 2002 and 2018 were by female artists. 8.8% of those songs were current songs and 10.7% were songs in recurrent status, so songs that had been like playing on the radio for years. And so like with that in mind, thinking about Beyonce and Beyonce's power, which we did talk about a little bit last week, just in regards to her dropping these songs through like a Super Bowl ad, which is like a huge deal. It very much feels like, and again, I'm not Beyonce. So this is just my assumption, but it feels like Beyonce is somebody who pays very close attention to what is happening in music, what is happening in politics, what is happening in pop culture. And she reacts to it in, whatever way she feels like she can do something because I was looking back on like our episode of Madeline Molly and just facts in general. And in 2021, Mickey Guyton who is a female black country singer was nominated for best new artist for at the Grammys. And then in 2022, she was nominated for multiple country music specific Grammys. And that didn't really move the dial that much in regards to general mainstream conversation about, you know, racism in country or anything like that or even well, I bridge. do remember there was conversation around
1: her because her
0: record yeah. label like wasn't
1: letting her put out music and then she yeah. had like a song basically go viral because yeah. of, like grammy's moment
0: yeah I mean like there was like definitely like conversation but it wasn't in like the same sense where like every you know like it wasn't everybody right. talking about right. it because there are like multiple black women and just black people in general who make country music but it's kind of like Not something that people outside of country really pay that much attention to because country is so insular. And because country is so insular, it is very much controlled by country radio. Like the people who run country radio are the kings of country radio. They're the gatekeepers of country music. Like they control everything. And so in my mind, with like what Beyonce is doing here, it's like, okay, well, I've seen that you guys aren't letting my people reclaim our music. Because as we talked about in every, every background episode we've ever had about music, most American culture comes from the black people who were forced to be here. So much of it was stolen from them, especially when it comes to music, especially when it comes to country and rock music, like so many of the sounds and the way that we write lyrics and all that stuff came from black people came a lot from black slaves in America. And so it feels very powerful for Beyonce, who is from Texas to like reclaim something that is from there, from black people from the South. Right. When like white people have been trying to change the narrative about where country music comes from and whitewashing it for so many years where it's like to the, to the point where when most people th- that aren't from the South think about the South of America they think like redneck white people when like that shouldn't be like the correlation to the South because that's not what it is. And so I think like there is a lot going on here and it could hopefully start to push the dial, but also again, with how gatekeepery the like the controllers of country music are, are we actually going to see anything change? Even if like country fans are willing to accept Beyonce's music as country music because even with her song Daddy Lessons from Lemonade, like every article I've read, and even after listening to the song, it's like that sounds like a country music song, but country music did not accept it as a song, as a country song. The Grammys didn't accept it as a country song. So it's like, what's gonna happen when her music? Like, the whole album is country. Like, are it they just like, going to be, like... Yeah, it feels well, like the
1: country music industry does a lot of jumping through hoops to purposefully exclude people like Beyonce. Um, yes. <laughs> anyone who's not white and mostly yeah. is not a man. And we've seen it historically, like, with the chicks and the shut up and the sing thing and Maren Morris saying she wants to leave country. And I think... You know, you mentioned like country tends to be so insular. And I think, you know, even just like as a general fan of music, so many people say, yeah, I'll listen to anything but country. And I feel like it's so alienating because the idea, the like general connotation of what country music stands for from an outsider is literally just like conservative white people who are not accepting And it's like, if you look at what the industry is, it largely is that. And so I think it's been really alienating Mm -hmm. to a lot of people and people who grew up in the South who don't have that same background. People who grew up with their grandparents listening to this or who grew up yeah. going to church or like what, whatever it is, whatever number of reasons of like, or you're born in the South and then you moved elsewhere because you didn't want to be around that. Like, I think there's people where it's like, and this is me sp- speaking from personal experience of growing up in Texas being like, yeah. I fucking hate Texas with every fiber of my being to like within the last year as an adult coming to realize yeah. there are certain things about Texas culture that I can appreciate and, and can participate in. Even yeah. still having the morals and values that I have, even knowing that I might walk into these establishments, meeting people who have the same feelings as me and also people who don't. Like, yeah. it's inevitable. Like, I, even though I live in Austin and Austin can be a bubble, like those people still exist. But it's like, there's an aspect, even for me of nostalgia of growing up and going to family gatherings and country music being what we played while we were swimming in the pool and doing our barbecues and like all this stuff. And so I think for a lot of people, it's like, there's probably a large portion of people who have been alienated from country music because mm. they felt like they weren't welcomed and they weren't yeah and so i think like beyonce stepping into this category is very much her doing a reclamation of country of like what her ancestors have done of being from texas of being the most famous artist and like sarah and i were kind of talking about this before and we're like it's sad that the change cannot come with from within But when you look at the statistics, like we just read you about country radio and country radio really, really, really drives the industry itself. How could there be change? How could there be change when 0.06% of songs being played on the radio are BIPOC women? Like their voices are so small in comparison to the people with power that it's like, yes, like people like they're, they're they're absolutely having people fighting for years and years and years. This has been going on forever. And like, when people like Mickey Guyton have a chance to have a mainstream platform and be able to speak up for it, everyone's like, damn, we should like think about this. But then it's so, but then it just goes back to who cares about country. Um, And so I think with someone like Beyonce using the power she has to shine a light on this, I think there will still be Beyonce fans who enjoy the album, who still don't care about country. But I think there will also be a lot of people who have those experiences of feeling alienated, now being able to enjoy something for them and also beyonce is such a great advocate and like actually puts in the work of finding black artists who have been doing this for their whole careers to invite them to play on her record so it's like she puts in the work and i just hope that at some point there's either like a video or a speech or an interview she does where she sheds more light on this Because like her just doing it alone, like journalists have already done the work of digging up these names to like talk about it. But I just hope that she does something a little bit more vocal in that regard.
0: Yeah, because it's like the work itself is incredible. But I think like the icing on the cake is, you know, really showing and like. Uh, platforming these people in more yeah. ways than just having them feature on the music. But there was this really amazing article by Taylor Crumpton in Time called Beyonce Has Always Been Country. And there was one point that she made here that I found really interesting about Beyonce's mom, Tina Knowles. So Taylor writes, Tina Knowles was born in Galveston, the birthplace of Juneteenth. By birth, she, as in Beyonce, is connected to the first generation of Black people in Texas who were freed by General Gordon Granger's orders on June 19th, 1865. That is a unique experience that cannot be manufactured by a songwriting camp in Nashville or can be replicated by a white country music star born above the Mason-Dixon line or outside the United States. And I just, like, think it's so interesting, again, where it's like, white people in country music have done such a good job of like whitewashing country and like the history of this stuff and even the south in general that like taylor swift moved from pennsylvania to nashville to become a country singer and faked a country accent for years and had so much success off of it and it's like i'm not Trying to pull Taylor Swift in to like shit talk her. But like the fact that she was able to do that when there are like black people genuinely from the South who have close relatives who like went through slavery and like probably sang country music and like wrote country songs and like all of this stuff. And like white people can just show up and do whatever they want. Yeah. It's still fucking unhinged. And it's like so deeply disheartening when like black people from America are like such the backbone of this kind of music i mean like we talked about this also in our country music episode but like literally how racist music is and just like white people in america are in general like they they changed the charts to have it be hillbilly music and and race music in order to separate what white color artists of skin, black artists. yeah like what yeah. color of skin people had who was making music And they literally just referred to anything sung by a person with dark skin as race music. Yeah. Like, it didn't matter how different the genre was or what was going on. They just threw it in this race music category. And, like, the charts have basically been racially segregated with different names, still Forever. like with like the r&b charts and like all that stuff where it like separates music like this it's so fucking unhinged it's so crazy
1: so i do think it's really interesting uh, just getting into the radio charts a little bit because we've talked about this throughout the podcast but sarah pulled an article that like explained it in a way that i had not thought about before and so amanda martinez for npr wrote again an article about beyonce is getting played on country radio can her success help other black women And Amanda interviewed Amy Coddington, an assistant professor of music at Amherst College and the author of the book, How Hip Hop Became Hip Hop, Radio Rap and Race. And Amy Coddington says, radio isn't music, radio uses music. The whole point of playing music is to cultivate a certain demographic. And then Amy goes on to explain that, in other words, radio formats have primarily been defined by sonic boundaries, but by specific audiences that the stations and their advertisers want to target country format radio stations have almost never thought of their listeners or the artists they use to obtain those listeners as anything but white and then kind of goes on to talk about radio formats and like literally all this is based on well yes racism but also advertising of like no we can't have a platform that like champions people of color and women in this genre because we want to speak to only white men of a certain like economic bracket. Like that is wild.
0: It's giving Condé Nast purchasing Pitchfork and being like, we want access to the millennial white men who read this site. Yes. Like that's literally what it's giving. Yeah. It's just so frustrating because like, To go into like deeper context in that, Amanda also in this article wrote, despite the genre's multiracial roots, country music has always been marketed with only a white audience in mind. When it was first invented as a marketing category in the 1920s, it was sold as hillbilly and old time music and was associated with a white rural and Southern audience. This category was established alongside the creation of race records, which were was designated for black artists and consumers by the 1950s format based radio emerged as a new marketing technique to attract specific listening and audiences. And this is really interesting because if we go back to Taylor Crumpton's article in time, Taylor, like basically like finishes her article by saying, One of the biggest lies this nation has ever told is that black people are not country, that they do not live in quote unquote small towns, despite what Jason Aldean says. Black people have always lived in the country. It is where we prayed. It is where we sang. It is where we worshipped. To be black and country is to undo the historical narrative that has been told to you. The plantation is not the nucleus of country identity. It is not the totem of the South. Knowles Carter's presence in country music is signaling the birth of a new era, a renaissance, if you will. It is time for the institutional oppressive regimes of country music to be removed and for those who have continued to carry on the legacy of country's music heart and soul to be seated at the table. And I just felt like those two, yeah, like they're so powerful. (laughs) And like this whole article that Taylor wrote is just like so incredible. And so just like, I'm sick of this and I'm going to be like honest that I'm sick of this while I'm writing this article. And I think that that's also just like very, such a powerful move to, to do when it comes to journalism, where she's like inserting her own feelings in the article. I mean, because like a lot of people are afraid to do stuff like that. Yeah. And I think like it's just very powerful to not be afraid, especially when we are still seeing radio stations being like, we're supposed to play Beyonce. Yeah. I mean, well, also Taylor is
1: a black journalist from Dallas. So like, yeah, identity wise, very closely aligns with Beyonce. And I think it goes to show the importance of having representation, even in your journalists who are covering these topics, because a lot of the articles we pulled today were from people of color who are putting in the work to shine a light on all of this. And I think it's amazing that she was able to share this digging up the history and also kind of what Beyonce is doing in her opinions in a publication like time which also like because I've just been following Taylor on Twitter Tina Knowles like acknowledged her article and basically gave her a shout out and said thank you on socials and so Mm. I've seen like Taylor like having a really big moment this week like getting her flowers and everything so I feel you know even the Knowles family is acknowledging the work she's putting in but I mean a lot of The ideas that she brings up here, even, you know, the aspect of people feeling people who grew up in the South feeling alienated from Mm -hmm. country music is bringing up a lot of really great points of, you know, with Beyonce's Renaissance, like her doing a dance record, which is also a genre that's like in the public eye is very white. But if you look at the history and you look at the roots, there's always been people of color in it. There's always been queer people in it. And then also Taylor like a year ago predicted that Beyonce was gonna do a country album for act two, which is wild. Mm. And then with people speculating about rock, like now it's starting to paint this bigger picture that makes a lot more sense of Beyonce using her power to go into spaces and saying, this is for us too.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, there's just so many layers to like what Beyonce is doing right now and like how much it could potentially change like music listenership and the industry as a whole. Because like we were saying before, it's like this whole thing of so many people are like, oh, I'll listen to anything but country because country feels like a genre of music that is telling a lot of people in the world that it is not for them yeah. Um, based off of like what is popular. But like if you dig into it and you find these other artists who are making country music based off of like the roots of country music and like the storytelling that country music is based on, like there is so much available to people that is like the most similar thing I can think to is like folk music of just like the style of storytelling that you can find in like not racist country music <laughs> like i like i know that, that like there's so much history to this type of music and i feel like it's been such a disservice that so many people who support bad faith people and want to sing about you know cheating on their wives or like dumb po- political shit or like how much they love america or, you know, with fucking Jason Aldean's small town song where he's like, oh, like, it's not about sundown towns. And it's like, it literally is like you're literally threatening people who are coming to where you live. Like, shut the fuck up. And like, th- I feel I feel like those people have painted such a bad picture of what country music has been and could be. And I feel like with Beyonce making a country music album, like that's just going to make so many people realize like what country music can be and has been and should be which is like a beautiful way of storytelling what i'm trying to say is like if beyonce is out here doing this making country music more accessible it will then make the people telling similar stories to beyonce's music more accessible because of that so it's like people will be more interested in going to find it because it's like oh this is what country music can be you know what I mean? Like sure. I'm saying that, like people who like, haven't
1: spent time in country music, who have an opinion about it, who haven't bothered exploring it, yes. even though there are other yes. us, even though there are other artists who yeah. have more to offer, wouldn't even get yeah. that far because they just yes. see Jason Aldean and they don't want to explore more.
0: Yeah, so I just think like Beyonce, like doing this is going to open a door to people to discover like what country music has been existing this whole time, but just like hasn't gotten the airplay it deserves because country music is run by racist gatekeepers.
1: Yeah. Speaking of, we do have a tweet this week that really made the rounds, kind of went viral. Somebody on Twitter said, I requested Texas Hold'em at my local country station. KYKC, and after requesting it, I received an email from the, the radio station stating, we do not play Beyonce on KYKC as we are a country music station. So this made the rounds. There's a screenshot of the email that said this. Of course, everyone's like, of course, country radio stations are obviously going to be racist. But we have Good Morning America doing some digging into this and talked to said station manager who was basically like, okay, said station manager says, Truth be told, we had no idea she was releasing country music. (laughs) Adding on top of that, we didn't even have the song. We are just a small station that isn't serviced by the big record labels and that they really do love Beyonce. Like, I'm gonna give this person the benefit of the doubt that they had no clue what the fuck was going on. But it is also true that Beyonce's songs didn't get service to radio until Tuesday, which was like two days after the songs dropped. Yeah. So somebody like immediately requested it. It's true that it like wouldn't necessarily be available to radio. The station manager went on to say that they received literally thousands of emails and nonstop phone calls for them to play Beyonce's new music. And after getting their hands on the song, estimated they've played the song seven or eight times a week, which he says. Is is a little higher than normal. So I think, you know, in this single scenario, people were kind of latching on to like, look, radio stations are going to be racist. But I think like we need more context of stations across America to get a big picture of like how this is really going to play out.
0: Yeah, it's all really interesting. Because again, like most of us don't know how radio works. And when People can and can't play songs or anything like that. So again, it's like I want to give the station the benefit of the doubt, but also at the same time, it's like. But also, like if you receive that email, like wouldn't you just like do a little research to see that Beyonce then released a country? Yeah, before you're song. like we don't we don't play Beyonce. Like yeah, I feel like it like feels pretty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like okay, like that's weird to say, but it's like okay, why would they be? Requ- I don't know. In my mind, I'm like, why would they do be some requesting math. it? You know, do some like googling. Not- <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. But there was some more interesting stuff in this article because they were talking about radio presenter Bobby Bones and he responded to, like, critics having issues with Beyonce becoming a country artist. And he brought up that, like, there have been multiple artists who were, like, non-country artists who have, like, crossed over into country over the years, including Kenny Rogers, Conway Twitty, and Darius Rucker. And he's like, it's just like not that controversial for people to do. And also apparently Post Malone is going to be coming out with a country album. And he was saying that it would be really hypocritical for like country radio to be excited for Post Malone to be doing this and like having issues with Beyonce, especially considering the response that people had when Beyonce and the chicks performed Daddy Lessons, which is the Beyonce country song off of Lemonade at the 2016 CMA Awards, because like so many people were like what the fuck are you doing here? You don't belong yeah. here. This is not for you. And so already seeing the negative response that the country music fan base had about Beyonce showing up at the CMAs like does not bode well for like what is going to come when she's being played more on country radio and being paid more attention to by country music people. So I'm not like super looking forward to what the racist white people of America are going to do and say, Over the coming weeks and months leading up to this album, as these two songs that are already out start getting more airplay, because, like, they just don't have a great history with how they react to black people coming into their spaces. I
1: mean, it is going to be interesting what happens with all these award shows, because the Country Music Association, which is the CMA Awards, the nominations depend on success within country radio. Yeah, yeah. So, like, is she even going to get nominated for anything at the CMAs? Are they going to once again jump through hoops to purposely exclude her? I do think she'll probably end up nominating for something at the Grammys. So, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Also, like, Lana Del Rey going into country, Casey Musgraves doing another album this year. Yeah. It's just interesting as a whole why we're seeing multiple artists like lean into this. And, like, I kind of feel like it started with this was like a whole other discussion but I kind of feel like it started with aesthetics and fashion and like goth western and also just like yeehaw having a moment over the past like five years really like when I like the amount of people like wearing like cowboy hats cowgirl hats when you go to like any show these days like I was at the 1975 and so many people were wearing cowgirl hats because they could and just like hairy especially at
0: harry like i look i don't know, I, like, like the whole like harry styles cowboy hat thing has never been more confusing to me my whole entire life like yeah, i was like so, what what is happening i mean here? like i honestly think like casey musgraves did a lot in kind of popularizing yeah the like kind of, like the country
1: so i feel like the yeehaw aesthetic has like been here for like a second and now artists are like let's all wait into country which i like i don't know but it's just like Post Malone and Lana Del Rey, like what they represent, they're both kind of like the outsider weirdo kids who like, I don't know what what Post Malone's politics look like whatsoever. Lana Del Rey, we know she like sometimes says good shit and sometimes like is fucking unhinged. And we're like, what are you doing? Shut up. But with Beyonce, and I, this is kind of the point we made earlier, like arguably going to open up the genre to listeners who otherwise wrote off country music and therefore helping create change within the country music bubble.
0: Yeah. I mean, we have a lot to look forward to, both positive and negative, I think. I think it's all going to be very interesting to like keep an eye on. Um, definitely, I think we're going to be having more discussions about this as time goes on and we see like the bigger reaction like I said earlier yeah and I'm sure you guys also have like lots of thoughts and feelings because I know we're all kind of like in the same world of the internet seeing a lot of similar reactions to stuff so we would love to hear your guys thoughts and feelings on everything because I'm sure you have them so you can find us on social to have those discussions we're at name three songs on all platforms As per usual, if you have any beef, love, grievances you'd like to send our way, I'm at Sarah underscore Fagan on all platforms. And Jenna is at Jenna underscore million. So with all that being said, thanks for joining us this week on Name Three Songs. And until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band.
1: And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Beyonce's
0: country songs. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more
1: about any of the sources we referenced in this episode, you can visit NameThreeSongs.com.